Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. And we're back with guys of a certain age sitting here with Jay Reed. Good morning. And from Parts Unknown, Mr. Art Shirley. Hello, Art. Hello. Hello, how are you? Well, I think we're doing better than you are. It's a little scratchy. How about that uh, how about that Skype thing? Yeah, I tell you what, it's uh, you know, the uh, cell service doesn't seem to be real good here this morning. Well, I mean, you're not it, it, it sounds real scratchy, so you're not like literally sitting there scratching, are you? I'm not. No. Well, I have that a wolf sweater on, but other than that. <laughs> so, I was just, you know, I was debating this morning. It's like, okay, I think the switch has been flipped for moving from long socks to short socks. So I think yeah. I think I'm in short socks weather, and there's really two seasons of the year for me. I've decided is long socks and short socks. Okay. So now we're in short socks weather. So. I mean, I'm in support socks weather now because I'm working and standing all day. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to free my ankles. Is what I'm doing. So yeah, it's a free the ankle camp campaign. Yeah. Free the uh, free the ankles and the rest will follow. So hey, okay. uh, it's a good thing this is an uh, audio podcast. There, there we go, there we go. All right, let's jump into why it. Why am I suddenly? Why am I suddenly thankful for the poor connection? <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, you're starting to uh, you're improving a little bit there. So maybe yeah, the I think uh, as we get closer to the main thoroughfare, we'll be a little better off. There you go, there you go. All right, let's jump into uh, our geek of a certain week. I think that's what Art called it last time around. Art, since we've got a tenuous hold upon you at this point. Why don't you start us off? Uh, anything that struck you this week? Uh, yeah, well, of course, the Oscars were Sunday, and, uh, you know, uh, Spike Lee won his first ever Oscar for uh, Best Adapted Screenplay for Black Klansman, a movie I saw in the theaters. And, and it's hard to say you enjoyed it. It certainly had an impact, and I thought it was a, a great movie, but uh, I think Barbara Streisand described it very well when she said, you laughed, you cried, you really felt something uh, watching it. But the Geek of the Week part of it, for me was uh, I can remember being in Midtown Comics several years ago and swore I just I still believe to this day that Spike Lee was there looking at the rack of comics. Oh, that's he awesome! Supposed, he was supposedly researching. I think he was going to do something for uh, some uh, manga comic book. He was maybe producing something on that, or I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was involved in something that way. So I thought maybe he was there doing research. But I mean, just knew that was him. So, Midtown uh, Comics in New York City, one of my favorite places to go. When I'm up there, just a great place. And uh, and uh, it was. I just I, I looked over there and came back and said, "Damn, it was all Spike Lee," I, which I, implies obviously that she did not go with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have gone up and asked him to sign something. Well, by the time I got my courage up to go, he was gone. Oh, so, gotcha, know. gotcha. <laughs> I love Midtown Com- Midtown Comics. You know, anytime. Uh-huh. Anytime I'm in New York, and we usually stay not too far from there, just kind of depending. Um, I, I love Midtown Comics; it's a it's a great shop. So, so Jay, have you ever been to Midtown Comics? I haven't been to Midtown Comics, but I have a similar story. When my wife and I were, were engaged or dating, she was in New York City at a Disney store, and she happened to see William Baldwin and his wife China, and so she took a Lion King 
book from the shelf, took it over to William Baldwin, asked him if he would sign the Lion King book for her. And he was like, do you own this book? <laughs> she said, not yet, but I'm going to. So he signed my, I have a signed copy of the Lion King signed by William Baldwin. Wow. No, I don't own it, but I will soon. So, wow, that's great. So, do you think they could have uh, charged more since it was an autographed copy? I'm pretty sure she didn't tell them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Deception and lies. Deception and she lies. actually got it for a little bit less because she said, look, somebody written <laughs> this book. That's right. That's right. It has been defaced. The, Always looking for the bargain. Yeah, the, the value is, uh, is is less than what it could have been. So, Is, um, is there any seven degrees of separation from William Baldwin and the Lion King? I can't think of any connection at all that he has. I, I, yeah, I, you got me on that one. Yeah, why did she pick the Lion King? I think she just grabbed the first thing she saw. She knew I was a Disney fan. I, I uh, collected all the VHS movies and had all kinds of stuff. And so I think she just thought, okay, he likes Disney. Here's the first book I see. <laughs> Let's grab it. And who? Well, it's probably, probably, probably good you were in the Disney store and you know she didn't pick up like a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey or something. <laughs> <laughs> That is correct. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty yeah. Shades of Baldwin. So uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, I, I love what Spike Lee said after the Oscars. He said, you know, I just don't do so well. And this is a paraphrase. He's like, I just don't do so well when I'm competing against a movie where somebody's driving somebody. And he's referring <laughs> referring back to Driving Miss Daisy. I think he was nominated in um, 89 or 90, whatever, for best screenplay for Do the Right Thing against Driving Miss Daisy. And Driving Miss Daisy won. And, of course, this year, uh, Green Book won. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of a reverse chauffeur thing. So Spike's got to come out with something when there's nobody driving nobody. That's right. So. What are the, what's the driving situation for this year? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it was 30 years ago, so that would have been, what, 89? 80, wow. yeah, yeah, long long time ago, so, uh, well, cool, well, Jay, what's your uh, what's your Geek of the Week? I'm sure it's Oscar-related. We'll keep so. it Oscar-themed. I, I was just really excited to see so much, I haven't seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody as of this taping, but, but Queen was, hey, you hey, know, Jay. hey. We're not using tape. We're not using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As of hey, this, kid, somebody hand me that parting. Maxell, uh, that Maxell sixty minute. Let me get rid of that. Okay, sorry. I have some at home if you need one. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I remember waking up in the mornings as a kid, uh, maybe middle school age, and you know my, when my parents' clock radio would kick on for the alarm. Almost always in the time we were using to get ready for school, you would hear the the we will rock you we are the champions sort of medley and you know that was just you know encouraging to get you to school and then i didn't realize and i'm anxious to see it for this because mike myers apparently was in the movie and i remember mike myers bohemian rhapsody connection as wayne's world yeah so i've got that of course on vhs and loved it and uh just that that connection all the bohemian rhapsody all the queen um celebration i thought was kind of cool so so back when wayne's world was popular when the movie came out um i actually had a mullet a lot like wayne's did not wear a hat quite like wayne's we have to get you a new avatar and uh and i had a cable access show at that point as well when when i moved up here to startville so uh which featured segments like living large with uncle warren um (laughs) <laughs> that that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Did not own a Gremlin, but I owned a blue Ram 50 pickup truck. So, 
lot of a uh, lot of personal symbolism there with the uh, with the Wayne's World reference. So. I, I, one thing that was really funny. This would be a, a geek shout out to a to the guy who was running the microphone, who was you know moving it, whatever. There was a I think it was a makeup award. Boom, was, boom, a boom operator. Boom operator. Okay, yeah. so he was. It was, was a, a man. A very, very tall lady and a very, very short lady who had shared this award. I don't know if y'all saw this. And they had agreed, I guess, beforehand. They had a list of people to thank, and each were going to thank one person in turn. So the man spoke, and then the tall woman spoke, and the short woman spoke. And it just dragged on and on and on, and it was very awkward. And the short woman couldn't reach the mic, so the mic moved down (laughs) to get to her level. And I thought, poor thing. (laughs) Oh, no. I did not see that. I did. It was comical. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the boom guy. That's one thing I hate hate about award shows is is just they they never seem to give folks enough time. I mean, especially if there's multiple people. It's one person that comes and, you know, takes the whole thing and then turns to the other person as if they've got any time left to say anything. Oh, right. Did you see the timer pop up? No, I didn't see the timer. There was a, I forget who it was, but somebody was talking and they had talked a reasonable amount of time. And all of a sudden on the back wall, there was like a game clock that clicked on and it said 45, 44. And then the camera moved real quick. I only saw it that one time. Yeah. They actually had a game clock. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they have to put something up there like that. Um, I did not watch much of the Oscars. Um, Enjoyed it. What little I watched. I'm a big Olivia Coleman fan. And uh, did not see her speech, but went back and watched her speech. And, oh, that was just great. That was just absolutely great. For her to win um, uh, an Academy Award for Best Lead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it it was awesome. And um, I've been listening to a podcast called, oddly enough, David Tennant does a podcast. And uh, David Tennant, obviously known as the... As the 10th Doctor from Doctor Who, and um, he's been in Broadchurch and a variety of other things, and to bring it back around even further geeky, he was the Purple Man in Season 1 of Jessica Jones on Netflix, and um, he's doing a podcast, and it's a great podcast, so he's got Olivia Coleman as a guest, he's got Ian McKellen as a guest, he's got John Hamm as a guest. We should try for those. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we should, we should, but I just listened to the episode with Olivia Coleman. And, you know, she has been, she's played bit roles uh, for, forever. She kind of got into acting a little late. And to see her and her genuine affection and surprise and shock uh, was just heartwarming. You know, well, she, everybody thought Glenn Close had it. I mean, they thought, you know, everybody thought there was no chance for anybody other than Glenn Close. Yeah, Close, but no Oscar. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was dressed, she was dressed as an Oscar, which is. The first thing my wife said when she saw her walk out, she went, good grief, she's dressed like Oscar. Wow. She's got a gold dress on. Well, uh, I, I love Olivia Coleman in um, in Broadchurch. I loved her in Hot Fuzz. I mean, it's so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jay, Jay just gave me a quizzical look, Art, and uh, so, Hot Fuzz. So yeah, oh she, my god, oh my gosh, this is, this is something we have to rectify right away. Don't yeah, I, I think we're gonna have to have a guys movie night, and you're gonna have to watch Hot Fuzz. It's going to be a probably need, be a we weekend. Can do the whole Cornetta trilogy. As as yeah, know. yeah, the whole the whole Edgar Wright Cornetta trilogy. So it's hot fuzz. Well, it starts with Shaun of the Dead, and uh, 
I think we maybe no. There's art. There's art. We probably need to wrap our segment up here quick before we completely yeah, lose. I, there's a there's a dead spot right here, but yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of dead spots, the first one of the uh, the first part of the Cornetto trilogy is Shaun of the Dead. Hey, that was a great segue, Art. So, so we've got. Uh, I'm assuming you've never seen what? you you've never seen Shaun of the Dead, Heavy J. I have not. Oh wow. Okay. Mission uh, mission set forward. Um, you know, I guess my Oscar-related geek of the week, even though I only watched a little bit of the Oscars, is a shout-out to my buddy Doug Blush, who was the editor on uh, the, the documentary winner, period, End of Sentence, which is streaming on Netflix. It's about uh, female education and a few other things, but uh, Doug's a great guy. I've known Doug online for years. We're in a, a user group together. Have hung out with Doug a few times, and just a genuinely nice guy. Um, this is his second Oscar win. He didn't truly win. He was part of the team that won an Oscar. Uh, he was the supervising editor on um, on Twenty Feet from Stardom. So, and I think we may have just lost Mr. Shirley. No, there you are. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go ahead. I think I'm losing you now, so I'll just say uh, for Angie, stay fresh cheese bags. <laughs> <laughs> see, see you, Art. Have a good day. All right. And, and he's gone. And he's gone. Well, and, and, and Skype just cut out. Man, that was perfect timing. So, um, And speaking of perfect timing, let's take a little bit of a music break and uh, come back with the rest of the show. Thank you, Mr. Shirley, for joining us from Parts Unknown. I, I, I don't even really know where he was. Do you know where he was? I know generally where he was. I, the, I know the road between here and there. Yeah, but we don't want to give away his... Uh, I think I think Art's kind of a little deep cover for witness protection. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's witnessed anything in his life. I don't even know if he's even seen the movie Witness. Have you seen Witness? I saw Witness, yes. Thank yeah. goodness I finally knew, knew something that you mentioned. <laughs> well, I always thought I thought Witness was interesting because it takes place among the Amish, and my dad grew up Amish, okay. and my dad will tell you what's wrong with that movie because the Amish would never do that. Yeah, so... Yeah, that was kind of the point of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a couple things in there. So, but uh, anyway, well, now that we've got rid of uh, Mr. Shirley, you think he's going to listen to this? And he probably will. It's likely, or somebody he knows will, and they'll shout yeah, out to him. And so, I don't want to say anything too bad. Stay nice about art. Plus, I think he owes me lunch. So, um, okay, Oscars. Did you have a gathering? Had no gathering. I had not even intended to watch it. So it was just me and the wife. Uh, we had talked about it on previous episodes about how award shows were not maybe not as relevant as they used to be and so i hadn't planned to watch it until we had that conversation and then i'm like okay i'm gonna watch this so i can have something to talk about so a a little fomo a little fear of missing out that's right but i was you know i I enjoyed it um learned a lot about movies that i had never heard of and people i'd never heard of but we didn't we didn't do anything special that night which is generally what the oscars are for to tell you what you should have liked and should have seen that you didn't right yeah there there was a point in my life where i and i think we've covered this before but i really tried to watch all the uh the the nominees for best picture and i just have no interest at this point actually i went through and after that was over i had a few of them already in my dvd.com queue and um went and made sure I had all the rest at least coming. So by the end of the next two or three months, I should have seen them all. Now, have you seen Roma yet? I haven't. I know that's on Netflix. I just haven't been able to get to it yet. But I was impressed that they won 
or the, at least were in the category of best foreign language film and best picture, and they won the best foreign language. I, I just thought that was odd. They were in both categories. Yeah, I thought that was a little odd. It's almost like that was a consolation prize, and I think there should be some exclusion there. I don't, I don't think you should be able to double dip. Um, but anyway, that's just me, and I'm not a member of the Academy. Well, apparently, so. it was good. He won several other awards as well. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, and I think he was nominated. Uh, Alphonse Cuaron. I don't know if I got that right. Corazon. Corazon. Whatever. Yeah, that guy. Um, was he nominated for cinematographer as well? It might have been. I know he won two others before he got up there. It and, seems like, but I don't remember. And I guess professionally, I just have a hard time with a director uh, getting a cinematography award. Um, that's just me. So, but... Anyway, trust your judgment on that one. Well, you know, you, you, you're kind of crossing guilds and crossing disciplines a little bit. And in this day of we all do a little bit of everything now, um, you're starting to see some of that blurring of lines at the highest levels that we on the lower levels of, of content creation have experienced for a long, long time. Um, because I produce, I direct, I, um, I DP um, and I edit. And once you get to specializations at that level, um, you don't have editors who shoot. You don't have shooters who edit. And um, it, it was interesting. So I, I, I do this thing called Editors Retreat every year. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a cool conference, about 70, 75 people. And we usually bring in a, um, an Academy Award-winning director. And uh, William Goldenberg came in a few years ago. And... Um, he had just won the Oscar for editing Argo. Okay, super guy, super guy. I think I, I think it, I think it's Goldenberg, not Goldberg. Uh, anyway, somebody fact check me. We'll just the guy who edited Argo. We'll call him Billy because that's what he has to be called. Just the nicest guy. And so he talked about um, he edited uh, Zero Dark Thirty as well, and uh, he talked about Catherine Bigelow, who's the director who shot that. Right came in and gave him gave him the footage and said, will you make my movie for me? And then left. And that was one of the things we talked about. How much, um, how much input do you have from the director as an editor? And in some cases, there's a lot. You know, I think Michael Bay, a little bit more than most. Um, it was interesting talking to him about, about Ben Affleck and how uh, Affleck approached Argo. Um, ben had an edit tweet set up in his house and had worked on a couple sequences and gave Billy the, the string out, gave the say, okay, here's, here's this scene I've kind of worked on. Use it, don't use it, don't care. But I was kind of thinking like this. And so um, it, was, it was interesting to hear how different directors, some will just wholesale turn everything over. Some directors want to be in the room as you edit hmm. and want to weigh in on cuts. Um, so it's, it's really interesting how, uh, and you, you probably have more bleed over between directors and editors, uh, than maybe anywhere else. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but anyway, though, they'll just really back check you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and some directors like to shoot, they're, they're going to want to set up and, and, and set the shot and they will be more of a DP cinematographer. Um, so they do more than just sit in those director's chairs and shout, yeah, you know, it really, I, I think it really depends on it how you came up. I mean, did you come up as a as a actor? Did you come up as a writer? Do you did you come up as a um, as a camera person? Um, how did you come up? Because the the you know Hollywood and, and large um, 
large network television shows that are very uh, single track oriented, very guild oriented. Um, another friend of mine, a colleague who did a lot of reality television editing, but she she never did anything narrative. So reality TV being you know Survivor and, and any other reality television shows versus versus narrative, say a. Um, you know, Brooklyn, scripted. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, yes, yeah, scripted is what I should have called it instead of narrative. And so she had gotten to the highest levels of reality editing, but she had to bust back to an assistant editor for scripted. And so she's starting to move up the, the ranks. And that's another interesting thing is um, editors really depend upon assistant editors. Um, a few years ago, um, uh, had the privilege. Oh, you're talking about like one of the professional highlights of my life had the privilege of having uh, dinner with Arthur Schmidt jr. Who edited Forrest Gump and back to the future nice. and who framed Roger rabbit. And he won the Oscar for editing for, uh, Roger Rabbit and for Forrest Gump. And he was Zemeckis's personal editor. And um, it was just interesting this, in this age of, of digital editing, of moving bits around. Um, you know, Mr. Schmidt talked about how he, he didn't know how to get footage into a computer to edit. And so he had to rely upon assistant editors to set that up. But once he got the footage on a screen, he was able to go through and piece it together. So there's a, a little bit of a technical barrier for maybe some older generation editors who didn't grow up with a digital type of system. So anyway, the, the whole point being, wow, that was a rabbit trail. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to Jake about that. That was seven minutes so, of, of, of a rabbit trail. Um, you know, seeing a director win a cinematographer award is a little difficult different for me and I don't know how I feel about that um, and another thing kind of um, kind of uh, that was a protest point for this year's Oscars um, they had said in order to to keep time down for the Oscars they were going to give the awards for editing cinematography makeup and one other category in a commercial break there was several jokes about that. Yeah, yeah, and you know there there was a lot of protest, and uh, because without cinematography and editing, you don't have a There's movie. No movie. There's no movie whatsoever. I don't understand all that, but I, obviously, from what you just said, I feel like I learned ten times more than yeah. I knew. Well, if you don't have anybody to shoot it, and then if you don't have anybody to go through the footage, and that that's where the movie is really made is in the edit bay because you've got all these takes, and you need a person to sit through and say, okay. What makes narrative sense? What are the best takes? That's where a movie is truly made in the editing bay. And um, so if you're kind of pushing these guys off to the side, you have no cinema. The, the, this, is, this is cinema. The shooting and the editing is the cinema. And So for uh, novices like me, what is cinematography? What does that mean? That, that's the guy setting up and setting the shot through the camera lens. Okay. So what he's doing, he's looking at a ton of factors. He's looking at, um, he set lights up to invoke a mood. Um, in, the, in the days of film, he's pre-selected a film stock to give the feel and the look he's looking for. And then he's motivating the motion of the camera. So um, is this a wide shot? Is it a tight? Are we booming down? Are we coming in? Gotcha. Okay. Is this on a steady cam? He is painting the picture on the screen. 
Now, he has the brushes that he paints with or set design that a set designer has built and costume design and all these other things. But the cinematographer is the one who translates those pieces into a picture that you see on screen. And so he has um, he has worked with his gaffer to to set lights to motivate so is this natural light coming through a window or are we going to do a practical light coming from a lamp um wow okay so next year i'll know more i'll, I'll feel more well, informed when i or if i remember so any year. so <laughs> is, is is the light warm to evoke emotion is it cool um you know i always talk about the david fincher effect david fincher's movies tend to be a little blue and they tend to have some uh, kind of steely blue overtones. Because they're actually blue in color, not blue yeah. in content. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Not blue in content. We don't do those type of podcasts. But, you know, the cinematographer has a lot to do with that. And then something else, I think, you know, uh, there, there's been talk of adding some additional categories to the Oscars. I think stunt performers is a huge uh, category that should be added in. Um, I think motion capture should be added in a motion capture performer is an incredible skill. And that's been kind of um, uh, pushed to the forefront by Andy Serkis, who did uh, uh, Gollum Game of Thrones. Right. Uh, He did uh, King Kong. Uh, He's done a variety of motion capture pieces. And what he's what he does is art and to be able to act and to immerse yourself into a digital character and bring that character to life. Um, yeah, I don't know if you saw any of the recent Planet of the Apes movies. Sure, yeah. So he was Caesar. Right, okay, I thought I thought so. And, I uh, love Planet of the Apes. Boy, I, Old I, and new. Yeah, yeah, me too. But Circus's performance as, as Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movie was just unbelievable. But there's nowhere to award him for that. Well, that makes sense. And I, I was reading, there was an article, because I think we talked in a previous uh, episode about the idea of having a... Um, special award for like popular films yeah and you know of course that didn't go over very well it's called the people's choice award it's on on tnt (laughs) right so this list though had that one and several of the things that you mentioned the other one that i liked was i believe the titles yeah because so much um title sequence so much art can go into that it's amazing i mean i don't ever i I guess the marvel movies have conditioned me now that i I pretty much i'm not going to leave a theater until it goes black because yeah. I want to see everything that, that goes back there. And some do nothing. Yeah. But some of them are just amazing. And yeah. I, I think that should certainly be one that's considered. Well, well, talking about David Fincher, if you go back to Seven, Brad Pitt, uh, Morgan Freeman, I don't know if you saw Seven back in the late 90s. I remember it. Early uh, 2000s. can't remember details. Um, just a fabulous suspense str- thriller. And, um, you know, it, it the title sequence on that, the opening title sequence, set the tone and the mood. Um, in the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which was another Fincher movie, um, this, the title sequence for it opened the tone and set the mood as well. So think about James Bond. I mean, that's a classic, Absol- iconic absolutely. title sequence. Absolutely. And I didn't know really what a title sequence was until I read this article. But, yeah. I mean, but totally, when I know what it is, it makes sense. And I think there should be... It's just another art award. It is. Um, but important to the movie, for sure. It is. It is. Uh, and uh, whoever won for sound mixing, I cannot remember who it was, but uh, um, props to him for shouting out to the boom to his boom operators. Because was that Black Panther? It may have been Black Panther. I can't remember. I only watched 
about six minutes of the Oscars. Got costume design and several other things. I have it all written down. But so I think it was the guy who won for sound mixing uh, or maybe in sound editing. I can't remember. Anyway, one of those technical awards, he gave a shout out to his boom operator. Yeah, I remember that. And, you know, as someone who's operated a boom, which is a carbon fiber pole about 10 to 12 feet long, and you have a mic at the end of it, and you've got to point that mic at someone's face to pick up the best pattern, and you're holding it. And, and for those who can't see what we're doing, I'm holding two <laughs> arms above my head, and you're holding it for hours, it seems like. Oh, so you're like in the Moses, you need somebody to hold one arm and the other, somebody yeah, hold the there, other arm. Yeah, there you go. But, you know, it's just, it's really difficult. You know, it's, it's I a I couldn't talent. do that. Well, it's, it's a talent. And a good boom operator can make or break a sound mix. Um, so, you know, kudos to uh, to the award re- recipient for, uh, you know, shouting out to the boom operator. Yeah. So I guess since we're staying stay with Oscars today, let us let me uh, go back to one of our uh, superhero friends and just say, you know, is, I'm going to say it wrong. Jason Momoa. Momo. Yeah, I call him Cal Drago. So, Cal Drago. So yeah. Jason, the, yeah. the Aquaman guy. <laughs> the scrunchy. <laughs> Aquaman, Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm okay with the pink tux if you can, you know, if you're man enough to, to you can rock wear the pink. You're, that's fine. I got no yeah. issue with that. But what was the scrunchie for? My wife noticed that, and you know, because she wears scrunchies. She's a woman, or she used to. Yeah. What's the deal? I don't know. I mean, he's got a mane of hair. Maybe just in case you know what? Emergency, that's an emergency true. situation. It's like okay, got to scrunch it up. And I, I would love to see if there were any photos of him prior to getting on stage with the scrunchie with on. the scrunchie on. And so that uh, makes total sense now. I yeah. mean, I'm not one that watches, you know, the fashion, but we turned it on a little bit before. And, you know, Jennifer Lopez had this made of broken pieces of mirror was her was her dress. I think wow. what it looked like I mean, was was <laughs> Annie, she rocked it. But <laughs> was Annie Lennox behind her singing, walking on broken glass, I, I didn't see following Annie it around. The- <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Another shout out to my buddy Doug Blush. I'm Facebook friends with him, and he was putting stuff up all night. And um, one of the parties he went to, they had a donut wall. I saw that picture. Yeah, yeah. So it's a wall of donuts, and you just walk up and you get one. And then I think the Vanity Fair uh, party was uh, they had In and Out burgers. They were oh, wow. In and Out. So I'm hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah, and so that's the that's the thing. After the Oscars, you go and get food. So. Um, uh, Another friend of mine, uh, Donna Cutting, shout out to Red Carpet Learning Systems. She has been a um, a seat filler for the Oscars before. I didn't know that was a thing until a few years ago. A friend of mine is a seat filler in Nashville. Yeah. And I talked to some folks who had done that. And that, that sounds like fun to me. And I forgot who she sat next to. And, and the rules are, if you're a seat filler, um, you know, you, you basically don't talk to the people next to you yeah you, you don't you don't but the, the there was a person i forgot who it was i cannot remember famous actor who was asking her all kinds of questions and was introducing her to people around and just had a, a great um uh, a, a great interaction a great time with them um as she was filling the seat for 15 20 minutes and so don is a a a big oscar person she she hosts a a virtual oscar viewing party on facebook and she just she loves the movie so but uh yeah yeah it was kind of cool to vicariously see what was happening with my buddy doug blush and that that was kind of nifty so um have no interest whatsoever in ever going to the oscars oh i'd go in a heartbeat oh i would not it's just 
So I, I had to Uber though. I, I think traffic would be bad. Well, you need a helicopter in. I, I've sat. Um, I, I've been fortunate enough to be nominated for some regional Emmys for some work I've done, and have have gone to the um, Emmys award, the regional Emmy awards in Atlanta, and I'm just like, oh, kill me now, please kill me now. And it's even worse when you don't win when you think <laughs> you're, you may have got a shot, and then you walk away with nothing. But you get to wear the nice jewelry. I didn't have any jewelry, so <laughs> I didn't have any. I didn't have a scrunchie, uh, you know. But I've, I've got I've got my cool black Emmy tie that I wear. That's that's pretty pretty neat. So, awesome. and I've got a little bit of Emmy swag in there. But uh, so anyway. let's let's last this week because we've talked about this before. You know, Black Panther was was nominated for Best Picture. Didn't get it. Probably nobody expected it to, but it did get. I think I counted three different other yeah. awards, so it got some credit. And then Into it the Spider Verse won something Best Animated. Yeah, film. what a great movie! Have you seen that? Yet? I haven't seen that one because I, I don't normally get into the animated ones as much as the live action, but. I've heard so many good things about that one that I think I need to watch that. Yeah, and, and everybody knows the Spider-Man story. And the way they introduce it and get you into it, it, it's it's great. There's not a lot of, oh, we've got a whole origin sequence to go through. You know, they kind of gloss over a lot of that stuff. And, and the way they pull it together is great. It's a, yeah, it's a great, great flick. So really enjoy that. My wife didn't care for it, but. You know, again, she was not in the target demographic. Probably not the target demographic. Yeah, yeah. So the boys liked it. It was it's one of the best animated movies I've seen. It's one of the best superhero movies I've seen in a long time. Um, it, it, yeah, it well, was really that's a pretty high mark. Yeah, it really was good. I, I, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. So now the animated short, the one that won animated short, the bow. I actually had seen that one. Which one was that? Was that the one where she, where the little dumpling comes yeah, to life? Yeah, more or less. That and was they they showed that before Incredibles two. That's right. I saw it, and there. I had been to see Incredibles yeah. two, so I saw that, and it was it was very good. It was kind of whoa. Yeah, uh, and, and what's cool the way Pixar does those shorts, and um, I mean they they act as a as a test ground for new directors, um, and to, to be able to say okay, can you take a story and execute it? And so you'll see folks from those stories end up with larger projects. So, yeah. Okay. Plus, yeah. Well, if you win an Oscar, I guess you, you've you've done it right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Get your next shot. So, you know, what's interesting, uh, you know, just talking about getting that, that doing something small and getting a, a, a bigger um, uh, bigger chance. Uh, I've got an acquaintance named Seth Worley. He uh, He's from Nashville, but he's in L.A., He's done a lot of stuff with a company called Red Giant. They do software and uh, visual effects plugins for for Adobe Premiere and other platforms. And uh, he did this crazy little short called Plot Device to show off some new software for Red Giant. It was awesome and uh, so creative, so so unbelievable. And uh, it dropped and got just a bazillion views. And then before he knew it, he was. Um, he was being asked to take meetings in LA. So you got anything else in the pipeline, the whole thing, nothing's come through for him quite yet. Uh, but it, it's cool to see how you can get something short and pour your heart and soul into it and then get recognition and the opportunity to do something bigger. And so when I come in and eat pizza here in your kitchen studio, then maybe one day I'll, people will be calling me from meetings in LA for meetings in LA. No, probably not. 
I, you I, promised. Uh, I lied. Fame and fortune with pizza. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. So, well, on that uh, on that note, um, I haven't had breakfast yet. We're recording this early in the morning, and so we're talking food. So, I think it's probably a good time to sign off, get a little bit more coffee, and find something to eat. I, I agree completely. Let's eat. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in for another week. Thanks for uh, your response on iTunes and Spotify. We're getting some downloads. We ask that you guys, if you like the show, um, write us on iTunes. That would be great. Five stars means the world to us, and uh, we would love any feedback. So thanks for listening. <laughs>